Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 653. He said it perfectly clear. It's okay to make mistakes, but try to never make the same one twice. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Bill Atala. Hey, Bill, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready, more than ready. All right. I understand we're talking to you in your car today, so I hope you're buckled up. Uh, hopefully pulled over on the side of the road, too, so uh, no accidents will happen here. Bill Detala is the founder of Auto Informant. It's a social network for automotive enthusiasts like you and me. Often referred to as the Facebook for cars, Auto Informant is building a powerful and growing community connected by a passion for cars, helping others grow their interests. You create your own profile, build shareable pages for your cars, discover customized content based on your individual interests, and connect with like-minded automotive enthusiasts. Bill's also the chairman and CEO of Tristrata, an internet software security company that provides comprehensive information security solutions for Fortune 500 corporations and governments worldwide. His 35-plus year career is focused on starting, building, and leading companies in diverse industries. And Bill's a lifelong classic car and auto racing fan. So Bill, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your businesses, your careers, and your passion for automobiles. Well, thank you, Mark. That was a great introduction. I'm actually impressed. I didn't know who you were talking about. But <laughs> that sounded that sounded great. Thank you're you you're welcome. Yeah, I have always had a passion for cars, and so when you're first out of college and and working in whatever job, you know, I always thought maybe one day I'll be doing something with my passion. Mm-hmm. But uh, that didn't start out that way. It began by building nuclear power plants and oil refineries. Oh my gosh! Ultimately, I moved on to. Uh, Prudhoe Bay, Alaska, a very cold period of my life, no pun intended. I guess so. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I was managing the oil fields up there. And it wasn't until I uh, came back to California and took a job in the technology field that I said, I have more time for collecting cars. And I always had a passion for the little British cars, probably because that's all you can really afford early on in your life. Yeah. And so I had one British car after the next, and I always knew one day I would do something 
in the automotive space. It's mm-hmm. one thing to collect a few cars and go down the restoration road, but then at some point in time, you realize there's so many variants here that how do I connect all the dots? Yeah. And that's ultimately what put the, what came to mind when I put auto informant together. Very cool. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about auto informant and your journey as we move through the questions here. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Bill, take the wheel. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, having been and still am a serial entrepreneur, you know, you always try to progress things. And I was one time told by somebody way up in the food chain the company I worked for, they said it's perfectly clear. It's okay to make mistakes, but try to never make the same one twice. Mm, yes. And so that really suggests that, okay, you can, you can learn, you can experiment, you can use what intelligence you have. You make a mistake, and that's fine. If you make a mistake a second time, you're a little bit of a fool. So I was told, never make it twice, fix it with a system so you can't make it twice. And with that in mind, you'll always progress whatever it is you're after. Yeah. Ah, great advice. It worked out well. Believe me, after building a half a dozen companies and and now have four more in the works, it seems to be something that really moves it along. I think you've dialed that in quite nicely. Absolutely. Great advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? I want you to go back in time and think about and share with us that pivotal moment in your life when you really realized that you were indeed a car guy. You know, that's a, that's a good question. And that that's very easy for me to do because I remember that moment. I was riding as a passenger in the car. I was 17 years old. And we come up to a light and this little green sports car, I think all British cars are green at that time, <laughs> pulled up right next to us. But the sound was unbelievable. And I, I looked at that roadster and read on the back where it said Tiger. Ah. And I knew Sunbeam Tiger. I said, oh, that's exactly what I want, a top-down roadster that's got some power. And when he pulled away, in fact, when he pulled away, we followed him all the way to his house in the driveway. So it was a little odd. <laughs> and I got out I got out and told him, I said, that's an amazing car. He showed me all around. And I knew then, I said, this is exactly what I want. And that started the passion. Yeah, those cars are really cool, especially having a unique power plant. In the Tiger version, the Tiger variant, I mean, it has that big Ford motor in it. It does. It started with a little 260 in the first year when Carroll Shelby was involved, building the Cobras side by side. And then, of course, he had to make a decision between an English company or Ford, which had uh, obviously the decision he went that direction. And he kind of let the the Tigers go and went on to build the... uh, the Shelby Cobras, as we all know them. Yeah, I had a good friend in uh, high school, lived down the road, and his dad gave him one of those when he turned 16. And I remember him taking me for a ride up the coast. I grew up in Southern California, and oh my gosh, what a fun and powerful, fast, neat little car, the little tiger. He even had a little tiger tail that he slammed in his trunk that was always hanging out the back. It's kind of a fun, a fun symbol well, you know, for that the thing. same fellow that showed me the car said, come on, hop in, let's go for a drive. I was hoping, I went around to the driver's side, he no, 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 you're a passenger. And he took me, in fact, it was in the Bay Area, and he took me all around the hills, and I knew that. I said, one day I will have one of these. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have a picture of you standing next to a beautiful black one. Is that your car today? (laughs) Yeah, that that is my car. Yeah. Uh, I've actually, really, you know, I've had 111 cars. Oh, my gosh. So... So I think that puts me into the category of passionate about cars. Uh, yeah, just a little and, bit. And, you know, 
some of them you're proud of. And of course you always have one or two in the mix that you don't tell anybody you had, but uh, I've had several tigers, a lot of sunbeams, the alpines, and even some of the rare Harrington. And I don't know what, what it is about the sunbeams, but they really are something that I really enjoy. I've had a lot of other toys as well, but the Sunbeams have always been a great car for me. Ah, awesome. Great. Well, Bill, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and ask you to share a huge challenge or a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. You are a self-described serial entrepreneur. That means you have lived the roller coaster business life, ups and downs, uh, victories and defeats. So take us to one of those times that was a big challenge for you. But of course, the most important part of this question has to do with what did it teach you? You talked about learning that lesson once, not twice. How did you overcome it, and how did you come out on the, the sunny side of that situation? Well, you know, out of desperation, you come up with some cr- pretty creative ideas. I was uh, maybe typical when I was in college. I was focused a little bit more on my girlfriend and studies. And having had a dad who had his PhD when he was 24, he expected me to be very academic. I think so. <laughs> well, I went, from, I went from one college to the next. And ultimately, I'm not proud to say that almost every junior college said, you know what? You're not invited back because your grades are too low. Mm. And so now I'm at a point in time where I can't go to junior college because I didn't do well there. And there was no college I could really go to to bring my grades up to speed. Yeah. And so I said, well, let's just go for broke. So I picked a college in the Bay Area that is well-known and a very difficult college from a business perspective to get in. And you have to have at least 3.5 to get in. Now, I had under a 2.0 average, but I knew that was because I didn't apply myself. Mm-hmm. At least that's what everybody used to say. I got into that college, and out of sheer desperation, I went and talked to the administration. Young kid there said, well, Bill, we'd really love to have you, but you have to, we have standards. In other words, you have to have grades. Yeah. Go to the junior college, get your grades up, come on back. Well, I couldn't tell them I'd sunk out of all the junior colleges. Yeah, yeah. So I knew they had an escalation policy. They said, hey, um, you can talk to somebody else if you want to hear somebody else tell you the same thing. So I went to the dean. He was very quick to tell me the same thing. And I said, well, is there anybody else I could talk to? And really pushing my luck. So they introduced me to the president of the school. Uh-huh. And he's on his way out. Typical, very, you know, polished-looking individual, the gray, distinguished hair, out the door. He said, son, get your grades up and come on back. Yeah. So as I walked back to campus to the administration office, I said, boy, I am really in a tough position. Yeah. And so the young guy says, well, how'd it go? And I said, well, you know what? I'm in. <laughs> he says, really? I said, yep, I'm in, but I'm on probation. So you have to give me the best counselor you have. You've got to give me some strong guidance, and I can only take eight units the first time. And once those are my grades are improving in that area, then I can take the full course. Whoa. And I knew that he would never talk to the dean, and the dean would never talk to the president, and the president would never talk back to him. So I coined it the intelligence void. <laughs> if you get three people that never talk to each other, who's going to know? And that's exactly how I got into college. That's incredible. What a story. Oh, my gosh. Sounds like something out of a movie. <laughs> well, I knew that was the beginning of my, my serial uh, abilities to be creative and invent and to, to uh, build yes. companies. Yeah, the invention, necessity of invention. Oh, my gosh. Well, that is an awesome story. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. And obviously, the rest is history. You did buckle down. You uh, focused more on your I books did. than the, that young lady. And uh, here we sit. So uh, a <laughs> very nice story. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment. Now, you've built many businesses, so I'm guessing you've had a lot of aha moments. But share one with us when those headlights came on and kind of illuminated your way for a new direction. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Okay, well, I can I 
two quick ones. One, when I was up in Puerto Bay, Alaska, above the Arctic Circle, I realized then the aha was, I don't like it up here. <laughs> it's too darn cold. <laughs> yeah. And when, I, when I came back to, to the States, I said, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is get a, a job that I can really get behind where we're not dealing with climate on an everyday basis. Mm-hmm. My aha moment is when I joined a family business you know, which is something you don't normally do unless you come with a lot of experience because, you know, that father-son thing doesn't work out unless you really are the best pick. And having a very disciplined father, he said, you better be darn good at what you're doing, otherwise I really don't want you here. Yeah. Well, my aha moment was when I came up with a little, that company was involved in, in building technology for the banking world. And in fact, my dad was the inventor of the PIN, which is a system used for automated telemachine today. Oh, and so wow. all the security technology behind that came from my dad's company. Oh, my gosh. And he said, Bill, what, what contribution are you going to make to it? And I said, well, let me take what you have and see if I can put it into another terminal device and have it something not only for banks, but something to be used on a global basis. Mm-hmm. And I showed him my idea, and he said, oh, I don't know. I don't think that's the greatest idea in the world. We went to a trade show, and all the major corporations flocked to me. It's the best thing they've ever heard. I never forget my dad saying, yeah, it's a great idea. Isn't it something that we came up with? <laughs> yeah. Oh, brother. And that was the, that was the point-of-sale terminals that we use every day now in every retail store. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah so I had no idea it would be that big, but I knew that it, had, it made sense. This is bringing electronic banking or electronic transactions to the world today, and I thought, that seems like where the where the future is going. And I guess I... I just guessed right. Ah, well, well, pretty darn good guess. Yeah. Now, if you'd only figured out how a way to help us all remember our PIN numbers, that would have been even better. (laughs) (laughs) Write them down like everybody else. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. The bottom of your shoe or wherever, your socks or whatever you have to put them. Well, how about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many with the different companies you've built and the things you've done, but is there one in particular that stands out you would share? Um, I've I've been fortunate to have some. Some people tell me things have gone well, but I believe when that same company I was describing to, which, uh, you know, I was learning all of what I need to ultimately build my car company today, I remember going up against uh, Visa Corporation. We all know Visa very well. They tried to buy the company, but we couldn't come to a fair deal. And then they decided to compete with us. And my big moment is when I got a call from one of the banks and said Visa is about to write a very, very large order competing with you with a very similar product. I got on an airplane. I got up there. I presented to the bank. I took away the business from Visa, and they walked away after that and said, okay, we're not going to compete anymore, and they discontinued that part of their operation. Whoa. That was a huge win. Because you know how big Visa is. We were a very small company at the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. But, but we won on our, our merits of our commitment to that business direction, and that's, that's really what I took away from that company you're really committed to doing the best possible job and owning that business, no matter what it is you start, if that's your attitude, you do phenomenal. Yeah. Well, another great takeaway from that, you got on a plane, you went there to meet with them face-to-face. You walked right in the door and said, hey, I've got something that'll work better here. So, And it was the 11th hour, if ever. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was a great success for me. Wow. Congratulations. Very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time again. I'd love for you to share. You talk about having an awful lot of vehicles in your life. Share the first really special car that you had and a memory you have about that car. 
Okay, that's an easy one. My first car was a 1970 Triumph GT6 Plus. Ooh. And I, oh, I just love that fastback look. I love the little British car. I love the way the hood opens forward and it just reveals the entire engine. And I was going to a, a boys' school at the time, so everybody's focus was cars. Yeah. Most of them were American. I was probably the only one looking at, at European cars. Now, what I remember the most about it is I wanted to arrive. We ordered it in Europe, and I wanted to arrive for my senior year. Well, lo and behold, it was on the ship and got caught up in uh, uh, well, there was a strike, and my car sat out for six or eight months on the ship out in San Francisco Bay. Oh my so gosh. my senior year is going by. And you can and see it out there in the bay. <laughs> it, it, it's out there. And everybody's, every day, don't wear your car. Where's your car? Where's yeah, your car? Yeah. So my, my memory of it was, it was great when it arrived, which nobody believed it was actually happening. But knowing it was sitting out in the bay for six months there during the most critical years, you know, as a senior in high school, that was almost too much to take. But when it came, it was almost anticlimactic because there was about a month left before graduation. And go, oh, here's my car. Oh, my but gosh. I loved that car, and I took it off to college and, and had it for a very long time. You know, those cars are so cool. I remember they had a huge bulge going down the hood, uh, the front hood, yeah. I believe. And then the way that whole clamshell front hood opened up, pivoting off the front bumper kind of ahead of the front axles was really kind of cool, kind of like a race car, if you will. And then, and the reason it stands out was I, I had a detailing business as a kid and I had a client that had one. And I remember all the little nuances and I remember driving it from her house back to my house and, and side draft carbs on the, the engine. And then that big fuel filler sticking out of the back uh, of that thing. Exactly. I mean, you yeah. know, you know the car well. Those are all, all things that. You know, that, that's what attacks you to the car. You put it into the gas station. Oh, I better check the oil. Yeah. You just checked the oil yesterday, but, you know, everybody wants to see that hood open forward. And, yeah. Now, you know, it's all of those things that you know that are above and beyond. That's when you know you have a passion for cars, when it's all those little details that add up to that great feeling that this is a perfect car for me. Well, it had a sense to me of a, a kind of like a little race car because when you open up that front hood and the way the chassis was designed it was yeah it was like a little race car under underneath that thing and uh it was just fun yeah well very cool car can't imagine the frustration of looking out on that bay and going my car my car you want to jump in the bay and swim out there and get it i'll tell you it was tough knowing it was out there yeah i'm glad it finally showed up well having owned as many cars as you have i would assume there's a seller's remorse story somewhere in there so tell us pick one that's left your life, and tell us about the car you wish you had back in your garage. Okay, well, and, and it's shame on me for this story because the Black Tiger you mentioned earlier turns out to be what they call a GT Tiger. They only made 15 of them. Oh. And what was special about that car is it had a hard top and no soft top and more of a deluxe interior and the first of the good dashes in the Tiger. So it's, it's pretty special to have one of the 15, of which I think there's only three left on record. Wow. Well, that was that was my car of choice, and I put everything into a full restoration on that to a Concours level. Then after winning some shows, then I made it a, an everyday driver where you made enhancements that wouldn't be acceptable, you know, like four-wheel display, because that wouldn't be acceptable in Concours because it didn't come that way. Right. Well, somebody came along one day and really wanted to buy the car. And I thought, well, I'm starting a new business, uh, this just might make sense. So I sold it with the right of first refusal to buy it back. 
mm-hmm. a couple of years later, Dallas said, hey, would you like to buy it back? Because I'm moving on to another car, and it's been sitting in my collection, and I've only put 200 miles on it. And fortunately, I was able to buy it back for even less than what I sold it to him for. Mm. So I bought it back, finished all the things I'd ever do to it, enjoyed driving it for a few more years, and then I wanted to put together another company, and I wanted to capitalize using my cars rather than going to the bank or venture capitalists. Having done that type of thing in the Bay Area, and, well, we don't need to do that for this venture. So someone came along and wanted to pay top dollar for that Tiger. I sold it once again, and I started auto employment. Mm. And uh, I really wish I had that car back, but I probably couldn't afford to buy it back now because Tigers like that are selling around 200000 Oh, I, yeah. It, well, <laughs> such a unique car. I Yeah, very, very rare car. I wasn't even aware of those. And, uh, well, you know, we all have those stories. And if it went for a good cause to start something new, then uh, I think that's okay. But um, I knew there was one of those in all those cars you've had you wish you had back. And the car market. Well, I, every day I think about it and I see one occasionally. I said, well, I wish I had my black one back because there's nothing like it. But yeah. you know what? That just shows your level of commitment if you're willing to. Let go of that passion about what it is you're going to do, whether it's a car company or not. You'll be successful, I think. Absolutely. Well, that's a great segue into this next question, and that has to do with what are you working on today that has you really excited and fired up? I would love for you to explain more to our listeners who aren't aware of Auto Informant, what the company's all about, why they should get involved, what it will do for them, and uh, everything about it. So share a little bit more about Auto Informant. Okay. Well, Auto Informant's my favorite topic. It's been a long road to get there. I mean, it's uh, about a four-and-a-half-year-old company, and it's just today now exactly what we dreamed it would be. Mm. We were ahead of the curve in terms of technology and what we're trying to achieve, but it really came about having owned all those cars and done various restorations, some on my own and some by professionals, getting involved with auto racing and going to Concours and car shows and buying parts. I said, there's got to be kind of a single source approach, a community that you can go to that share equally the passion, not just in the year making model, but if they're doing a restoration, whether it's American car or European, we all have the same sets of needs. And as you get online on the internet and you start searching, it's like a room full of yellow pages. You know, you're going through <laughs> yeah. and you're trying to find parts or, or whatever it might be. What if we could have a central source where you go there, you can connect you can find parts, you can find people with the same car facing the same sets of problems or obstacles or opportunities. And so what if we put a, a portal-type community together for everything automotive? Mm. With the movement of people wanting to use the Internet less and less, they want more aggregated sites. The whole idea, instead of searching, spending 15 minutes every morning along with your coffee, you know, you go to eBay, you go to the forum that you like, or you go to the parts place, Look around. What if we have a site where you start with your cup of coffee, your tea, you go to Auto Informant, and then from that you can connect to all the places that you like to go. Mm. All your favorites are stored right there. And content that is relevant to the year, make and model, or whatever your passions are, is presented to you. You know, really quality content presented to you every day, specific to what you're looking for. So if you have a passion for Ferraris, you're not going to see material on Mustangs or something else. You're going to see Ferrari-related content. Mm-hmm. And that's really what Auto Informant is supposed to be, is that one-stop shop where you can go, get the latest content, you can participate, you can go to all the places you like to go to, you can find parts, you can go to clubs, 
You can find out where the Concours events or car shows. Uh, everything is in one spot, consistent with that concept of, hey, we like an aggregated environment, and auto farming is exactly that to save you all that time and energy. And that's, that's what auto farming is all about. Very, very cool. And so any listener out there can go to autoinformant.com and then you sign up and then you start creating your world within the site? You do. You go to autoinformant and it's 100% free. So you're not going to sign up and we're going to have a pop-up later on asking for something. That's never going to be the case. This is a, this is a community for car lovers. Mm. You go there, you sign up, and the whole reason for signing up is once you do that, it allows you to make comments on your various blogs or anything that you'd like to comment on. Use the bulletin board. Uh, it just really gives you access to a lot of things. If you don't sign up, you still have access to tons of things. But when you sign up, we can start to tailor the content to your needs. Nice. So signing up is kind of your gateway to, to custom content. Okay? And the great thing is if you if you sign up, Rails ask, well, post one, give us one of the pictures of your favorite cars or whatever you really love. And immediately that shows up on the website on the homepage in the virtual car show. Mm. So it's great publicity. You can tell your friend, hey, look, I'm in the car show on this big website. And they go see their car and they have a link to it. And it just puts them into an environment of receiving comments and sharing with people around the world. Brilliant. Fantastic. Very, very exciting. Yeah, and I'll remind our listeners that there'll be links to Auto Informant on Bill's show notes page here at CarsYet.com. But you can real simply just go to AutoInformant.com, type. In that, on your search bar, it'll take you right to the site. I think you'll have some fun. I've been there. It is a cool idea, cool concept, and it's getting traction now to where it's only going to be better and better as it grows. So very, very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, here's a very, yeah, here's a very introspective question for you, Bill. If Bill was a car, what kind of car would Bill be and why? (laughs) Okay, it makes me laugh because with all the vintage cars I have, I, I know better than to be one of them. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I really align right now to the, the new Jaguar, the F-Type. Ooh. I, I think they've done an incredible job. I mean, everybody loved the E-Type, sexiest car in the world. The F-Type, though, when you really look at it, especially the R-Coupe with the big engine, mm-hmm. when you look at the F-Type R, all-aluminum engine, all-aluminum body, the latest technology, beautifully packaged, and, you know, it's an all-around, well-balanced, high-performance car. I don't think people realize how much of a performance car it is. I mean, they go out and buy Ferraris because of the name. Some people are timid with Jaguar because of its reputation. I don't think there's a better value out there for the car. That you, if you can buy an F-Type with all those things in it for the price, I mean, that's a well-balanced, high-performance machine. That, that's what I'd like to be, well-balanced. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're doing fine in that category. Well, that's very cool. You're, you're the first uh, You're the first one of those, so that's really cool as well. And they are spectacular automobiles. Some friends of mine that own those cars just love them, speak very highly of them. And uh, I hope one day that— Beautiful machine. Yeah, I hope one day that old bad reputation for Jaguar finally goes away because— yeah, back in the day, it had, there were challenges, of course, the Prince of Darkness, old Mr. Lucas there, and all the stuff that applied to Jaguars, but it's a whole different company and has been for quite some time. So, brilliant, very nice car. Well, Bill, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, 
is with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Bill, we're back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, Fair enough. Uh, The best advice I received since I was involved with restoring cars is to know it was stock that came from the factory before you start modifying yeah, <laughs> yeah, very good advice. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? You bet. Um, you're not going to be successful without a good team that's supporting you. So my lesson is hire people that uh, are equally passionate about what you're doing, but who are actually smarter than you are. Hmm. <laughs> yes, awesome <laughs> advice, awesome advice. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners? Other than Auto Informant, which is the best resource out there for car people? Well, I think the resource I find that's uh, probably most interesting, and we all know there's, there's two great ones. I always refer to Haggerty Insurance ah, Company. Yes. Um, not as a, not as a, necessarily as an insurance company, though they are great, but they've really done some really good homework to build the classic car community, yeah. as has Hemmings. So those are two well-known names for anybody involved in classic cars. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, McKeel Haggerty's been a guest here on Cars, yeah as have many people from Haggerty. Wonderful company. They've insured my collector cars over the years. Uh, They've built some tremendous things. Their auto valuation tool has kind of become the go-to in the industry for a 
a really fair current look at where car values go. And uh, they seem to be everywhere as well. So fantastic company for yeah. sure. In fact, it was McKeel who gave me some early inspiration putting auto employment together. Ah. I remember him saying, Bill, just make sure it's a site that is fresh every day and there's a reason to go there every day. There you go. That was not that was a, a light bulb went on, and that's not easy to achieve. I think we're there now. Oh, yeah. No, it's not easy at all. That's for sure. Would you share a book that you believe our listeners would enjoy reading? Yeah, I'm sure. I think they would enjoy it. And you know what? It's not in the automotive space, believe it or not. I'm going to give them a book that they'd enjoy reading, or better yet, probably pass on to people. Yeah. There's a book out there called The 13 Months of Pregnancy, a Guide for the Pregnant Father. Perfect book for dads. And the reason I recommend it is I wrote it. <laughs> you did. <laughs> and I, oh, and awesome. I, and I wrote it in my off time between some automotive restorations. I said, what am I going to do while these cars are being put together? And being the capitalist I am, I said, hey, there's a huge market for young dads to be to understand what their life is going through. We put that book out, became a bestseller and won some awards. So it's a great book, and it's hard to find now because it's uh, been out of print for a few years, but it's coming back. Great. Not by me, but by, of all things, my daughter. Oh, wow. And it's just a great book. Wow. And car guys will get it because there are a lot of car references in it <laughs> uh, to help you with the subject of pregnancy. So. Probably pass it on to your kids. Uh, hopefully, nobody at my age still needs it. Others <laughs> probably could use it. <laughs> it sounds like a it sounds like an awesome book. So I can't wait for it to come back into print and uh, be out there. Very, very yeah. interesting. I had no idea that you'd done that. So uh, I know I don't tell too many people that. That's for sure. Very cool. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at Bill's show notes page on carsyad.com slash Bill Atala. Bill's last name is A T A L. L-A. And there's another great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and all the past 652 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. It's an awesome resource if you enjoy reading books, books referred by all my past guests. Uh, there's some really marvelous uh, books there, including Bill's. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, Bill, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because Christmas is coming and I'm just feeling really generous this year. So I'll buy you anything you'd like. <laughs> what would that vehicle be? And more importantly, why would you choose that car? Well, okay, you know, that's really kind of an unfair question because <laughs> most guys can never put their finger on one. But I'm I'm willing to, to having seen it personally, I'd have to go with the Bugatti Atlantic. Ooh. You know, take, take a look at uh, Ralph Lauren or... Take a look at the beautiful one they have in the Mullen Museum. I don't think any can anything can beat the style and grace of the Art Deco cars of the 30s. The uh, Bugatti is just spectacular. Oh, my gosh. Wow, you picked an awful special car. This is going to cost me a fortune. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, get going. <laughs> I should have been careful what I offered. Wow. Well, yeah, that car, man, what a special piece of art. And yeah, I've had a Mr. Mullen on the show here uh, to talk about his collection, his museums. Haven't had Ralph Lauren on. He's a tough guy to nail down to talk about anything except for his brand. But oh my gosh. Yeah, beautiful cars. I've had the luxury of seeing both those cars in person. Really works of art. And they're really jewel-like was my impression when you came up to them. They they just felt delicate. Just You know, uh, they, have a, they have a certain feel to them. You know, it's an aura around the car. Yeah. You can't not be impressed with the workmanship and the, the design ideas. And you have to put yourself back into the 30s to think, what kind of thinking was going on at the time? Yes. So it really takes you to another whole world. And by the way, Ralph Lauren, I'm sure, would love to be on your show. 
We one time I met him at Amelia Island. Very nice, really a real gentleman. Yes. And the power of your show, he should want to be on the other. Well, I hope so. Uh, you give him a call and, and let him know that, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I shall do. <laughs> okay. That would be great. Yeah, he certainly has an amazing, amazing collection of cars. I had the pleasure of meeting him very briefly on the lawn one year at Pebble Beach just to go up and say hello and uh, point out that I had a little polo pony on my shirt that he was grateful that I was wearing that <laughs> shirt. So. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. Exactly. <laughs> On Auto Informant, if they have a chance to go to Auto Informant, we did actually blog on Ralph's uh, collection. Awesome. So there's some, if nothing else, it's just really great cars there. Yeah. And the Atlantic is there as well to see. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a, what a gem. Well, Bill, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed your stories. I am very appreciative that you've shared more about Auto Informant with me and with the Cars Yow listeners. Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down into the sunset in that Bugatti Atlantic? <laughs> well, I tell you, I've enjoyed the show. Great questions, really thought-provoking. Thank you for that. You bet. You know, I always look at it this way. Everybody's got lots of great ideas for, oh gosh, you know, all kinds of things. But, you know, when you can turn those ideas into a reality, or in the case of automobiles, when you can take a piece of history and restore it to some level, and now you've got to, you've saved a piece of history and you can share that with lots and lots of people, through the restoration process and the end result, there is nothing better than that feeling. Absolutely. Sharing is the best. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Auto Informant? Well, they can certainly go to your site and find everything possible. That that works. But, uh, <laughs> they, can, they can always contact me directly through autoinformant.com. There you go. If they'd like to be a guest blogger or share any of their stories, we have a place for them as well. Awesome. Great. Well, again, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources on Bill's show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Bill in the search bar or Bill Atala, and that page will pop right up with links. I encourage you to check out what they've created here because this is a really, really great site. You're going to be me, see me involved in that site. I would love to be a part of it, and uh, I'll definitely be going there every day to enjoy it and uh, relive it, if you will. Bill, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!